Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, we're rolling along. Greeny with you here. We got what is probably the end of a dynasty that never began. We have that coming up here. We got Heather Dinnage to explain a bunch of things. I'll tell you, I'm in the car yesterday coming home from breakfast, the best meal of the day. And I'm driving home from the diner after a very long week. This was a long, this past week was a long week. It was a wonderful week. I loved it. I loved every second of it. And I will remain forever grateful for all of the lovely response that I got to the things that we posted on all the social media last week and to some of the comments that I made here on Friday from the heart, um, you know, with our son graduating from high school. But whatever. The point is, on Sunday morning, I finally got to relax, go to my coffee shop, which I love, have my little breakfast that I get in the car. I'm driving back to the house and I'm listening. Heather Dinich comes on ESPN radio and it was I texted her immediately and I said that was just phenomenal. Uh, she had she had insight into things that are going on with this change in college football mm-hmm. that are fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So we're going to recap a bunch of that in a half hour. So we'll look forward to that. She'll be on the Goodyear hotline. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. In the meantime, I open by saying the bottom line of it is this. I believe the Nets are done. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on the radio. But I've seen enough ankle injuries that when the outside of your ankle touches the floor, you don't play 48 hours later. just doesn't happen. And if you do, you're a shell of yourself. So Kyrie, whatever ups and downs we've had with him throughout the course of his year and everything else, I will never for one second question how badly he wants to be out there, what he would do and is willing to do and what he's willing to give and all that kind of stuff for his team to play during this, the most important part of the year. But I don't think anybody plays with that injury. So I don't think the Nets have him tomorrow. And I had Malika on today, and she told me on television this morning in no uncertain terms, James Harden hasn't even started doing basketball activities yet. Like he's on the court getting up shots, but he's not He's not running. He's not, he's not ready. You don't go from that to playing in an NBA game, at least not impactfully, tomorrow. So that leaves Durant out there all by himself in a series in which the officials have allowed them to play like they're the bad boys Pistons, <laughs> which is really what it's looked like. I mean, this, I'm not complaining. They're allowed to call these games any way they want. And I'm not a fan of the Nets. I, I, you know, I root against super teams in every case. But if I'm a fan of the Nets, if I'm Steve Nash, I am good and aggravated with the way these games are being called. They are mugging Kevin Durant. I mean, it's it's impossible. People are crediting the defense that they're playing, and particularly P.J. Tucker. Look, if they allowed players to guard like that all the time, you'd have a lot more good defense. Teams wouldn't be averaging 120 points in an NBA game, which does make it a little curious to me that they're allowing that in the playoffs at the culmination of a season where it didn't look anything like that. But whatever. Wendy was on earlier this hour saying the fans are going to let the refs hear it tomorrow night. Their chance of winning tomorrow, Durant has to score 40 points. He has to be efficient doing it. He's got to get to the free throw line. He's got 15 free throws, I think, is the minimum that he needs. And it's going to take one of the Herculean performances. I mean, we, you know, the legendary LeBron game six, what Kawhi did in game six a couple of weeks ago. Like, does Durant have that in him? to stare down Giannis and Middleton and Holiday and all those guys and win a game basically by himself. I don't think it'll happen. I really don't. I think the, the, the Bucks don't stop here, and the Nets do. That's what I think happens. Meantime, what is Vegas saying? Where do we stand right now? Vegas says the Nets are a two-and-a-half-point underdog, Game 5 in Brooklyn tomorrow night. Right now, they've also taken the series odds just off the board against the Bucks. I guess, pending you know, more health information. But 
The Nets are still the favorite to win the NBA championship, believe it or not, and the favorite to win the East, obviously, but they are no longer the odds-on favorite to win the Eastern Conference. Look, I mean, those the numbers, we've talked a lot about the odds here over the course of this series, and is, <laughs> is, there, is there a way, have we seen, is there a disproportionate amount of money going in one direction or another it's, tomorrow? It's too early to tell. Too look, early to tell. All the early money's on Brooklyn, but it's still too early to tell. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I hope I'm wrong because I don't want to see them go out with injury. That's terrible. But I don't think Kyrie is going to play, Mm-mm. and I don't think Harden is going to play, which means I don't think they're going to win game five, which means they're going to go back to Milwaukee with their season on the line and trying to win a game in that building with Kyrie and or Harden at best limping out there to give it a go. Like, what did Anthony Davis do in that one game back, back you know, the, the yeah, Lakers elimination game? He came out and that was it. Like, I, those guys will give it a try. I have no doubt they'll try it. I'm not – whatever criticism I offer of them, it has nothing to do with this. They'll try, and they're hurt. Sometimes you're hurt. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, but I can't see that team winning any other way. We'll talk more about this as we continue here. I am Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Uh, meanwhile, we've got to get to very, very, very important mm. news. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? If you know me, you know this is a very big topic for me. I'm reading this from the New York Post. This beach season, every week, is Shark Week. Professional shark taggers warn there are at least four great whites lurking off Long Island and New Jersey en route to Cape Cod, including a 600-pounder named Rose... And a monster, 16-foot, 3,400-pound shark named Mary Lee. Right now, this research person says, the sharks are loading up on dogfish, seals, and blubber. They have tagged 70 sharks, which represents a tiny portion of the man-eaters out there. There's a quote, there are thousands of them on the East Coast right now. As of Friday, they had tagged a shark named Charlotte, 8 feet, 300 pound juvenile. (laughs) That's a juvenile. He's a big eater. This is going to be a big one. Mary Lee, 16 feet, 3,456 pounds. I want you to consider that for this shark, you are not even an hors d'oeuvre. You're like an amuse-bouche. You're like something, the sherbet they bring you to cleanse your palate before they start bringing your meal. You are, you are nothing. You're, you're an M&M. You're the one M&M. You're one piece of popcorn. <laughs> what are you doing swimming in these oceans? What is the matter with you people? I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't swim in the ocean. You know why? Because a shark that weighs 300 pounds is a juvenile and is right now swimming around Long Island. So I'm telling you right now. Stacey and I are taking a couple of days off later in the week, and we're going out there. We're mm. going out to Long Island. Guess where you won't find me? Mm. In the ocean. <laughs> I mean, hanging out by a pool. Because in the entire history of organized man, no one has ever been eaten by a shark in a pool. <laughs> so this is what makes sense to me. Hembo, do you swim in the ocean? Of course I swim in the You're ocean. You're a lunatic. Nuno, do you swim in the ocean? I don't swim, but I do go in the ocean. But what the hell does that yes. mean? I don't know how to swim, but I am not afraid of the water, and I'll go in the ocean. Well, then what do you do? You would drown. I, I waddle. He waddles. <laughs> Come on. Wait, but you're just saying you only go in enough to, like, 
I link up to like my neck and you know oh, up to your neck. That's so <laughs> dangerous. Yeah. You, you cannot swim. You go up to your neck. I thought you were gonna say like your knees. <laughs> Can I just say up to your neck? A wave's gonna knock you over. You're gonna yeah, float away. Not good. You're gonna, a wave's not gonna, gonna knock end you up over. in Europe. No, 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 no. I've grown very fond of you. I really want to give you some advice. Go ahead. If, if you cannot swim, do not go in the ocean up to your neck. I'm good. That's a very bad idea because at that point, the shark is only your second biggest problem. The shark, to me, is a deal breaker. Bubba, you swim in the ocean? Oh, yeah. Big ocean guy. You're an ocean guy. Great place. And so let me just say, the fact that I am telling you that there was a story in the newspaper that I read this morning that says there is a shark, they even named it, Mary Lee, that is 16 feet and weighs 3,500 pounds. And it is swimming in the vicinity. It is in the vicinity. They have identified it. How can anyone be swimming in the ocean? Not, I just don't get it. Not only have they identified it, Greeny, I found a really cool website where they tag these sharks and you can actually follow the sharks. So I'm watching Mary Lee right now off the Long Island Sound make her rounds this morning and eating, you know, uh, plankton or whatever she's eating. And, and what, at the where? where? Where is this? Where is, which one is where? Show me that. Mary Lee. So. Like, what is she near? Give me a, <laughs> give me a town. She's near, the, she's near the Long Island Sound. She's in the Long Island Sound? The not, Long Island Sound is the body of water that separates Connecticut from Long Island. No, she is on the outside of the Sound. So she's not in the Sound. She's on the outside. She's in the ocean. She's in the ocean. The, the, the Sound is you know, the sound is here. It, it's she an is, inlet. The she ocean, is between. Yeah. Yeah, she so is she's between. in the Atlantic Ocean. But if you go out to Long Island, yes. if you go out to the Hamptons, that's, that is the ocean. You're yes, swimming in the ocean. Are, that's indeed. not the Sound. And she's, and she's close by. She's close by. She's close by. These are billionaires. I mean, these are people with a lot to lose. Do you realize how much money most of these people have? They're not. How? I just don't get it. I know people think I'm kidding. I honestly don't get how you can read that story and go in the water. I also don't get how Nuno cannot swim, but will go in the ocean up to his neck. Look how many sharks there are, Greeny. There are lots and lots of sharks. They're right. I've been telling you this forever. Lots of sharks here, guys. You're telling me that I should be more worried about vending machine catastrophe yeah. than I should be about sharks, and I think you're out of your mind. I mean, vending machines can't swim, but they are dangerous if you start to, if you start to jostle them. I'm, I'm, I'm living my life with the data. You're living your life in fear. No, here's what I will tell you. I can go to a vending machine and not jostle it. I can <laughs> Cannot go to the ocean and tell a 3,500-pound shark where it needs to go. So uh, that's it. I'm telling you right now. I don't swim in the ocean, and if you do, I question a lot of things about you. Meanwhile, we got to get uh, Michael Phelps or someone over here to give Nuno some swimming lessons. Yeah. I'm very concerned about deal. this. We have to have this conversation. <laughs> Seriously. Nuno, you honestly will walk out in the ocean up to your neck? Yeah, I'm not afraid of water. <laughs> but do you realize you should be? If you cannot swim... I th I've been in the water enough to kind of know like how to protect myself. Yeah, and do a little doggy paddle. Uh, so I'm comfortable. Uh, Mary Lou will bring him to shore. All kidding aside, if I put you in like, an Olympic-sized pool, whatever that is, 50 oh, meters, no. and I put you on one end of it, could you swim to the other end of it? No. Like, you trying to kill me? <laughs> do this. Like, I'm out at that point. Well, what's up, Mary Lee? You know, what's going on? How are you? <laughs> okay. We got a lot working here. Coming up next, the stat of the year in sports. Maybe the greatest stat of all time. I'll explain right after this on ESPN Radio. 
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny here, and a reminder, if you ever miss any of this program, there's two easy ways to catch up literally any time of day or night. Because the show is live two hours every single day, and we love doing it. We wish you would spend as much of that time with us as you can. But should you ever miss anything, a reminder, A, we stream on ESPN+. Plus. They stream it live, but then it lives the entire rest of the day, so you can watch whenever you want. And B, we're a podcast. Both hours of the show, posted daily as a podcast, available wherever you listen to your podcast. It's called Hashtag Greeny. There's a shark near Shinnecock. Mm. Uh, this is I'm, I'm, before I get to the stat of the century, uh, maybe the most incredible stat in sports ever. Um, the shark Hembo was now tracking these sharks, I am. and you just said the stupidest thing I've ever heard. By the way, what I was, was listening to the conversation you were having, and you said you would rather just not know they are there. You'd rather swim in the ocean and not know they are there. I don't want to think about it. You know, I just don't want to think about it. Oh, a lot but of that's days. ridiculous. Would you rather not know there's traffic? Would you rather not know there's dangerous weather coming? Would no, you... because those things will affect me. A shark being up fifty miles away, ten miles it's away, not five 50 miles, miles away. away. Yeah. If uh, right now uh, you just showed me that picture of I where did. that shark is by Southampton. If you're standing on the 18th tee at Shinnecock yeah. and you hook a ball too far left, I'm telling you right now, one of those sharks is going to eat it. Might be a good snack. We're close, man. We're close. You know who's the snack is you. If you were swimming <laughs> off the court, the, the so I'm I'm very concerned about this to the point that I'm contemplating changing our plans. <laughs> Stays and I are going out there for three days, and all of a sudden, you know what? Pennsylvania sounds pretty good. <laughs> I've never been to Amish country. I'd like Beautiful. to go see that. I've heard. Beautiful. This time I've always been fascinated by that. Like I'd like to see it. You've never so, been ever. No. Never Lancaster, Pennsylvania. No. Okay. Is it interesting? Very. So we got our dog. We got lots of. It's, it, you wouldn't like it. I like it a lot. Why wouldn't I like <laughs> it? I don't think you'd enjoy it. It's 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 much more low key. It's it's slow paced. I'm low key. Are you slow paced? I'm slow paced. Do you like technology? I like technology. They don't use much of that. There. No, I'm aware of that. Okay. <laughs> but but you know what they don't have is shark eatings. They don't have shark eatings. People don't get eaten by sharks no. there. They have like really good cheap rocking chairs. Experiences like that. I like those things. Okay. Uh, let's put it this way: mm. I'm not a big rocking chair guy, but I'd much rather sit in one than be eaten by a shark. Horse, horse and buggy? You into that? I'm, I, I mean, again, rather than being eaten by a shark, the immediate <laughs> answer is yes. All right. Speaking of stats, so I don't know if you care about tennis or not, and it isn't my job to tell you that you should. 
I've never been one of those people who says, this is a sport I like or a thing in sports I'm interested in, so you should be interested in it too. You should be interested in whatever you're interested in. But what I will tell you is that what we are seeing right now in the world of men's tennis is something you will never see again. And I'm not sure we've ever seen it in any sport. Novak Djokovic won the French Open yesterday. He now has won 19 slams, grand slams, the equivalent of their major championships. It's the same thing they have in golf. There are four. I'm going to give you the, the absolute beginner's primer here. There are four Grand Slam tournaments in tennis. The Australian Open, the French Open, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open. Djokovic has won 19 of them. Roger Federer has won 20. Rafa Nadal has won 20. They're all playing at the same time. Djokovic is the youngest, but they're all active now. Djokovic is the two-time defending champ at Wimbledon and will be the favorite to win it again. It starts in two weeks. If Novak Djokovic wins, the, wins Wimbledon, we will be living in a world where three active players, and Federer is, it feels like he's at the very end, but either way, three active players share the all-time record mm. for most majors. That would be like if Tiger and Phil and someone else, no, I can't even say caught Jack because Jack has been retired for 30 years. I don't know how to put this in context. At what point in history... Have we ever had the three greatest players in any sport all playing at the same time? There's no way to debate this. 20 slams is 20 slams, and they are the best. And they have dominated this era unlike anything you've ever seen. But again, if he wins in two weeks, it's a fortnight, right? So if four weeks from today we're talking about Djokovic winning his 20th slam, then it'll be Rafa with 20, Roger with 20, and Djokovic with 20. I ask you, what is that equivalent to? I don't know what to compare that to. Again, you may or may not give a darn about tennis, and I'm not here to tell you that you should. That's up to you. But, Nuno, what would that compare to? Like, if, if, if Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Kobe Bryant had all been in their prime at the same time? It, or we had a little bit of it, right, with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Uh, and then if it was like if you added Joe Montana at that time. But, but Montana <laughs> was done by then. Montana was done. Montana was long gone by the time those guys came in. I think Montana's last season was something like 97. Mm-hmm. Do I have that right? Something like that. No, maybe earlier. What was the year that he lost to Elway in the playoffs? It wasn't 90s. It was earlier than that. His last year was 94. 94. And, and, and Tom Brady didn't get drafted until 2000. So we never had them at the same time. You could put Favre in there with those two guys, I guess. And you could say we had Manning, Brady, yeah. and Favre at the same time. But they're not the three best quarterbacks of all time. Like, there's no comparison to this. If, if this would be like if Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, and Ben Hogan were all playing at the same time. If Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, and Sugar Ray Leonard, well, they're not the same weight class. I don't know how to compare boxers. Like, I just don't know what the comparison for this would be. If, if, if Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, and Willie Mays were all playing at the same time, like, I, I, don't, I don't know what to compare it to. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, as I, as I sat back and I watched that yesterday, and Djokovic came from two sets down to win, beating Stefanos Tsitsipas, mm. um, I, I just think it is one of the most astonishing things you've ever seen, that we are four weeks away from very likely being able to say we, we, those three share the crown equally and at the same time. I have to believe that has never happened in sports before. Don't miss Heather and a whole lot more as we continue. We've got a green uh, list, not a green list, a green light. Hambo's got a bunch of stuff that you need. We're busy today. Stay with me. Greeny on ESPN Radio.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. All right, this is Greeny. We come to you live every single day from the Seaport District to Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Heather Dinich is 30 seconds away. Green light still to come. KOD picks for tonight still to come. But right now, this is from California Almonds. You know, you want to be your best, whether your best means being the best bingo player in the office or the best volleyball player on the planet. To do that, you're going to need some help. Your teammate to tackle anything and everything. A handful of almonds have six grams of plant-based protein and are an excellent source of vitamin E and magnesium. It's the snack you need to keep your head in the game and your body energized. So whether you're going for the gold or another round of bingo, refuel with almonds. California almonds own your every day, every day. I think I told you yesterday I was in my car just finishing up a delightful breakfast, my favorite meal of the day. And I'm driving home. It's about 9 o'clock in the morning, and I am listening to ESPN Radio, and Heather Dinich comes on. And it was one of the most interesting and informative segments I've heard in a very long time. And I immediately texted Nuno, and I said, we need Heather today. So, Heather Dinich, thank you again this morning for jumping back in here. How are you? I'm good. Now I feel pressure to be extremely informative on your show, Greeny. Well, I I hope that you you do feel that pressure. I'm I'm raising the stakes. But you said a bunch of things in this interview. So when you and I talked last week, right after your original story about the possibility of the four teams turning into 12, we focused on stuff that I guess is the most immediately important, which is where does the vote go from here? What are the chances that it passes? All that stuff. We didn't spend, as it turns out, I think, enough time really diving into all of the ramifications of that, but they were fascinating. So first and foremost, I'm just going to run through some of the things I heard you talking about yesterday. One of the headlines initially was, this might force Notre Dame to join a conference. They get screwed in this because the top four finishers will, by definition, be the four highest rated conference champions and Notre Dame can't be one. And then I listened to the radio yesterday, Heather, and I discovered how ridiculous that notion is. This is actually very beneficial for Notre Dame. Explain to everybody why. Well, because Notre Dame, while everybody else is playing in those grueling conference championship games, they're at home. They're resting like they always do. So even though they don't get the first round by because they can't win a conference champion, they still have chance to rest. And then they do play in that first round. And in that first round, they've got a home game. 
I mean, that's a terrific advantage. So I think that's one of those things where time will tell whether or not if it's really a dagger that people initially made it out to be for the Irish. Not only that, but you then went on to make the point with Katie, who was one of the people you were talking to, which was an excellent point, that a team like, I'm just insert, Georgia, LSU, someone from the South might wind up having to play in South Bend in mid-December. A, it's something we've never seen before. Uh, Jokingly, she asked you, do you think that that those coaches own a parka, which would be interesting to see. Uh, But B, that's another factor in all of this, that these these cold-weather schools, which we have seen as a disadvantage for so long in recruiting, all of a sudden, that home field advantage could become a real thing in the playoffs. It certainly could, but to your point, that opens up another door of conversation because one of the questions and concerns people have is, why isn't there a home field advantage for the highest ranked seeds? The first through four teams get a bye. The highest four ranked conference champions get a bye from that first round, and the first round is the only time there's home games. The rest are at neutral sites, and they're trying to figure out how to do those bowl tie-ins. So I guarantee in Chicago this week, that's going to be something that they all talk about is do we want to continue the commitment? How do the bowls factor into this? And is it fair that the four best teams, the four highest ranked seeds, don't get to play at home. Are the only ones who don't wind up getting a home game. That And that, I think, is worth diving into here, Heather. The reason that the structure would be what it would be, as proposed, and I heard you say that they have spent two years, this working group putting together this proposal, that the four teams would get a bye. The others would play it out at the home fields of the higher-ranked teams, the higher-seeded teams. Then you would start going to the bowls. We would then start going, right? We would start going to the New Year's Eve and New Year's Day bowls, and those would become the playoff games. That's what we'd be looking at at that point, right, Heather? Right. Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick said that one of the reasons they wanted to do that was they wanted to reassert ownership of New Year's Eve and New Year's Day in a really powerful way. And some people thought that they might be getting away from that in this current system. Um, But... You know, that being said, we're talking about an existing contract right now. If this were to change before the 12 years ends and we're entering the eighth season of that contract, everyone has to agree with it, and they have to continue to honor the contracts with those New Year's Six Bowl. People forget how important the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, all of those New Year's Six Bowls are in this contractual agreement. That's a big reason why there's only one round of home games. So that would be a big part of this, which I think is fascinating. Greeny and Heather Dinich, who knows as much about the college football playoff as literally anyone knows about anything. Um, the other piece of this, the other thing I heard you say yesterday that I thought was fascinating is that if you look at a, college, a school like Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati, someone like that, my original thought was, wow, this gives a team like that a chance to get in. And you made the point yesterday, it doesn't give them a chance. It guarantees them a spot, right? Those, someone from that group is guaranteed to get in every single year. Right, because we're talking about the six highest-ranked conference champions. There's only five Power Five conference champions. So even if you have Big 12, ACC, SEC, Big 10, if you have all of them, you still have another spot. And we're not even guaranteeing that all Power Five conference champions get in. The language is specific, and it's the highest 
ranked conference champions. That's why the selection committee's role will still be important because if you look at last year, Oregon, the Pac-12 champ at number 25, you're out of luck. I'm sorry, Greeny, but if you have a three-loss Northwestern beating Ohio State and Northwestern is ranked 24th, you're out of luck because there's going to be other conference champions probably ranked higher, not only Cincinnati, but maybe Coastal Carolina in that instance. So they safeguard in this and find a happy medium between we're going to reward conference champions, but if you're a mediocre conference champ you have to win a, who happens to win on the right day, you're not necessarily guaranteed anything. Correct. We would have been a one-loss champion last year. I know what you mean. I know you were using us as an example, but just to make it clear, <laughs> we, would have, we would have earned it last year uh, and, and might have even gotten in after the Ohio State game, depending on how things broke. I know that that's not the way the voting went, but who knows? Greeny and Heather Dinich with really interesting stuff there. And, and then the final thought on this was, so that came up because the question was, who's the biggest winner in this? And you said the group of five conferences, the, the next level of conferences after the big ones, and then the fans. At the end of the day, it is your opinion, and I'm, I'm 99% of the way towards agreeing with you that the biggest winner in this is the fans. The sport now becomes something that it has never been before. It, it does, if this is approved. I feel like we have to add that caveat, right, if this is approved. But the reason for that, and I think Bob Bowlesby said it best, the Big 12 commissioner, when he said this format, the practical result of it is that there are going to be 25 to 30 teams that we're still talking about in October and November. And Greedy, as a person who talks about the college football playoff ad nauseum, that means more than just rattling off Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Who else is in the mix, in the conversation? And I think that interest will continue to grow the sport in addition to making those conference championship games such an integral, exciting part. Because I think there were some people who thought that they started to be devalued as well because we've seen teams get into the top four without even winning their division. Correct. And, and that's why, from, in every way, this is a brilliant business decision. It's brilliant business, no question about it. It creates something the sport has never been. I heard, I think it was Kirby Smart over the weekend who said it is the biggest change in the history of the sport, and it is. It is, mm-hmm. it is without question, if, if approved to the point that you just made, Heather, it is without question the biggest change ever. And, and one other, I don't know if this was taken into account by them or not, maybe it's just a, um, an unintended consequence, but I think you'll have fewer players opting out also, which I know is something they were concerned about. Because as I was preparing for the draft last year, I don't know how many times as I was you know, studying a player, played six mm-hmm. games, then opted out, played eight games, then opted out. Whenever their team kind of got eliminated from doing whatever they wanted to do, they opted out. It out this this way a lot a lot more teams will be in it a lot longer and they will get fewer players opting out right 100 percent. i agree with that 100 percent. that was one of the immediate reactions i had to it as well because a lot of the players have been losing early because well they don't think they had a meaningful postseason well now the odds of that are certainly increased right so you have something to play for you're certainly going to stick around and try and get it and that brings me to my final question heather and you're a reporter and you're as good a one as i know so i'm not going to ask you to offer an opinion on something if you're not comfortable doing it but i'm sure you have heard this there are going to be people lots of people marcus spears was one of them on tv with us this morning saying well this is just a pro season now i mean that what they've created now is a setup that looks everything like Pro football that looks everything like a professional sport. All these decisions are being made for business reasons. The business of it is 
it's unavoidable. It's inescapable as you analyze these decisions. Again, I'm not criticizing it, but that is what it looks like. What concerns, if any, are you hearing relative to that? Well, simply the possibility that there could be players and teams who do play 17 games. That is a lot, right? But to that point, Jack Swarbrick at Notre Dame said that this system is designed specifically to minimize that possibility because in order for that to happen, teams 5 through 12 would have to run the table. You're already talking about teams that aren't the highest-ranked seeds, right? But then they would not only have to win their conference champion, they'd have to win the first round, and then they'd have to win every other game to actually get to 17 games. It's possible, yes, but it's highly unlikely. Okay, fair enough. Heather, it's just outstanding work, and I appreciated it. I enjoyed it yesterday and appreciate it today. Thank you very much, and we will talk soon. Sounds good, Greeny. Thanks. Uh, it's Heather Dinich. Again, she's, she's really, really good on this stuff. And what do you think of that, Hembo? I mean, it, it is, it is, it's a pro season. I mean, it is a, it is a, it's a, Marcus said it this morning, it's a professional sport. That's okay. Like, that's what it has become. Mm-hmm. Right now, all of a sudden, you're, 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 the, 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 the committee becomes incredibly important. I think way more important than before because a lot of the decisions they're making now just affect so many more schools. Like how many people were sitting anxiously by the television waiting to see if they got in before? Mm-hmm. Two? Three? If now that. it's going to be a lot yeah. every single week. Where are we ranked? How do they see us? It's brilliant. I mean, from an entertainment standpoint, it's brilliant. It will be great. As a fan, mm-hmm. I wish it started immediately. Yeah, me too. I, I do. And, and it's not going to start this year or next. At soonest, it would start the year at whatever that is, 23. So you're on board now. I'm on board that I get this. Yes, yeah. this makes sense. This, this is not just expanding it to 18. Right. Uh, you know, sort of willy-nilly. I mean, this is a really well thought out, really interesting plan. But what, how about the amateurism of it all? Like, like, that feels like a legit concern in all of this. Because, yeah. Players aren't going to play. It's almost never going to happen that they play 17, but they're going to play 16 games. And I'm old enough to remember a time not very long ago when the college football season was 11. Yeah. And then it became 12. And then they added the conference championship. And now, though, all of a sudden, now we've seen teams go 15 games. Now, all of a sudden, this is going to be 16 games. Ah, this is a concern. I mean, you cannot be a I, – I think you cannot be – a person who pays attention to the issues here and not be at least somewhat concerned about that part of it. Do you think the NFL expanding to 17 games had anything to do with the timing of this? No, to the extent that I think they would have done it anyway. You do? Yes, I think this was something they recognized they needed to do. I think that people had become bored with college football. It's the same four teams. I mean, I could tell you every single year, (laughs) here are seven teams, it's going to be four of them, and that's it. And then the rest of it is you root for your own school and you get on with your day. This is going to change a lot of that. Well, so yeah, I went back and looked of, of the 21 college football games ever, college football playoff games ever played. 17 of the 21 have been won by Bama, Clemson, or Ohio State. To your point, 17 of 21. 17 of 21. Which, which means we could name the other four. Hold on, Oregon won one. Yep. Uh, Georgia won one. Mm-hmm. That's two. Hold on, Florida State won. No, they did not. They did not. So they won the last championship before that. Correct. The Jameis year was the last year of the BCS. Oh, it was the last year before this. All right, hold on. So it's it's so I'm missing two games. You're missing two games in one team. <laughs> so it's one team that's won both games. Yeah. You got this. I'm, I'm sure it's an obvious one that I'm forgetting. Why LSU. Am I, 
LSU, two years oh, ago. Oh, LSU. They LSU won the won championship, the, right? Well, Both of them in the yeah. same year. That was right, the only right, year right, they right. had ever made it. Fair enough. Okay. So, anyway, I, I thought that was really interesting. I, I, I thought it was worth bringing to the conversation here because this feels like a... Like, I think I didn't allow myself last week, maybe because my head was just in so many weird places with graduation and everything, to consider the magnitude mm-hmm. of this change. Yeah. But we're going from a place where... In, in a pretty short order, we went from two teams playing for a national championship to 12. And it's going to wind up having happened in the span of like eight seasons, something like that, nine seasons. 20, yeah, yeah. N- n- 98, the BCS was born. In 2014, the college football playoff came in. And then we're going to get this thing with 12 and, teams. And, and then, yeah. So, I mean, it's incredible. Incredible, the, the magnitude of that did change. You, did you happen to see what the bracket would have looked like last year? I did. Okay. I was mad. Northwestern <laughs> should have been in it. Uh, we have that conversation separately. But we played Ohio State unbelievably tough. Yep. Ohio State then went and beat Clemson yeah. in their next game, and that was one of our only two losses. So we Northwestern absolutely would have deserved – I'm telling you right now. Yeah. Had that happened and we had gotten left <laughs> out, <laughs> you want to talk about I would have exploded. They would have put you in – On uh, the air. Indiana was 11 here and Coastal. Carolina was 12. I would have exploded, <laughs> exploded if that had happened. So I'm, I'm in some, I'm some level, I'm relieved that it didn't because <laughs> yeah. that would have been an explosion. All right, one more thing. I'm ready to go right now. Green light, green light with Greeny. All right, I'm going to give Hembo the green light for a weekend recap brought to you by Credit Karma. Visit creditkarma.com slash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Credit, karma, money, progress starts here. Hembo, green light, give me a couple of things every baseball fan needs to know coming out of the weekend. We need the Yankees stink again. They've the lost. Yankees stink. They do. They just stink. They've lost 11 of their last 15. That's the second worst record in the American League during that span. And the starting pitching, which was this, the one good thing that they could do for a while, was, is nearly six over the last two weeks. Some, you know, part of me wonders maybe if the whole new foreign substance thing is starting to catch up What do you mean wonders? Well, part, like, it's obviously not coincidental. Garrett Cole was well, that's what I talking mean. about it ridiculously so. But it's a small sample size we'll see over the next couple of weeks. But I, that was the, the one thing they had going for them. They can't even pitch anymore. Okay, so the Yankees are a mess. What's next? Jacob deGrom is unbelievable. I, I've been trying to find different ways to sort of contextualize how good he's been. And this is the best one I've come up recently, Greeny. So ERA plus is one of my favorite pitching statistics. What it does is takes your ERA and then it neutralizes it for the ballparks in which you pitch. So you can compare pitchers very evenly across the board. An average ERA plus is 100. A bad ERA plus is 75. And a good ERA plus is 125. That means you're 25% above the league average. So let's just just put that in perspective again. Mm -hmm. A good, because I saw the tweet, Mm. a good ERA plus is 125. If ERA plus is 125, that's good. You're a very good pitcher. A really good pitcher. What is DeGrom's? His is 688. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, what can you say? He's 568% above average. It is three times as good a season as anyone has ever had if he can keep pace on this kind of level. This is insane. It's what, insane. What and, doing is insane. But what did he do to his – he had to come out of a start, right? Didn't he come out of his game over he, the weekend? He did, but he is, uh, they, they said he was going to make his next scheduled start. So we think that there's a crisis averted there. Uh, so, Bubba, when you saw him coming out of that game and they were talking about what – they were saying it was his um, – a tendon yeah, in, his, in, his, uh, in his elbow. Uh, give me five seconds or 15 seconds on the Bubba reaction. Uh, worried at first, then felt great when I heard DeGrom talk because he's glorious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. He's unbelievable. Though, right? He's unbelievable. One more green light. Go. 
Offense is up, Greeny, not so coincidentally. Since Buster wrote that story saying that Major League Baseball is going to crack down on these foreign substances, league-wide batting average is up 11 points, more, uh, nearly two-thirds uh, of a run per game more than he, uh, since he broke that story. And in chat with some folks over the weekend, there are people around the sport who think that once this really cracks down here in about a week or so, we're going to see a 15, 20, 25-point jump in batting average. That's how big a deal this is. League-wide, you mean across the sport? Across the sport. All right, huge. Green light. Mm. Hembo, well done. Well done, everybody, today. Uh, Two NBA games tonight. Quick picks. Sixers at Hawks. Philly's a three-point favorite. I think they're going to win. I think the Sixers are going to win, and they're going to make... The Hawks had a really nice run here, but the Sixers are the better team. Clippers minus five against the Jazz. 70% of the money is on L.A. Pound the Jazz. (laughs) See you tomorrow. ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.